Why did you please give uh, Pastor Mike, our founding pastor, a big welcome as he ministers to us this morning? Thanks very much, David. Great. Great. Well, good morning, everyone. Fantastic. A few days, and what a great uh, um, production over Christmas. Man, I enjoyed that. It was just awesome. Awesome. I want you to open your Bible with me, and we're going to look again in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, for those of you who didn't get last week, I encourage you to get the download of it. We, uh, we're talking about prayer, and I, want, I was just... Joe, what a great job you did in worship leading this morning. Uh, just fantastic. Really enjoyed the way you just flowed in and out of praise and worship. Very, And you chose exactly the right song for today. You know that, didn't you? Because uh, we'll be, I want to speak on uh, the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Have a look at Matthew chapter 6. So as we end this year, uh, we want to be focusing on building our connection with God for new things in the coming year. Bible tells us in James that great power is released through fervent, effective prayer. And so if we are not praying people, then we are struggling along people. But again, if you're not a praying person, you're struggling along. You're trying to live out the Christian life without the power and presence of God. It's just impossible to do. And you end up feeling always like, I should be doing more. We tend to live in a place of being defeated and condemned, where other than living out of an abundant joy of being in the presence of God. It's amazing. I remember when I established the discipline of daily prayer, rising early in the morning to be with the Lord, the freedom it brought to me, I can't describe. It was amazing. So Jesus taught on prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11. In Luke 11, the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to learn how to pray. Prayer is something you have to learn. It's something to learn, and there needs to be some pattern to it, or it just goes all over the place, and, and eventually it decreases and diminishes. But if you have a certain amount of structure to your prayer, you can gradually grow the prayer, and it's still spontaneous, it's still got variety, and it's open to the Holy Spirit to lead, but we need some kind of pattern. In Matthew chapter 6, which we're going to look, uh, the disciples uh, didn't request Jesus to teach them how to pray, but Jesus watched how the religious people prayed. And he said, guys, I'm going to teach you something because I don't want you doing what they're doing. And he said, I don't want you praying to be seen of all men. I want you to learn how to pray in secret. And here's the reason why you need to do that, because God rewards us. So you want God to reward you? Pray in secret and uh, build a prayer life, a time with God. And uh, so uh, then he said, I don't want you in vain repetitions. I don't want you to just be acting out a part. I want to teach you what real prayer looks like. Now, and so notice what he just said. He said, I don't want the prayer to be repetitive. And yet the Lord's Prayer is probably the one that's been most repeated of all the prayers. Yet it's because we don't kind of get a grip of what it's about. It's not just a prayer to recite, although that's good to do, to pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's rather, it's made up of various parts, like a structure, to show you how to build a prayer life. So, yes, learn the prayer, pray the prayer, but then break it up into its parts and take time to dwell in each part, thinking on what it is and putting expression and spontaneity into it, and you'll find you can build quite an extensive prayer life. Jesus said, could you not pray with me one hour? So one of the great things for us to learn to do is build a prayer life every day until we engage, experience, and learn to live with God's presence and see the coincidences in our life start to increase. So he said, this is how you pray. 
And he says, don't be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So prayer is not about telling God what we need. God already knows what we need. Prayer is about shifting our awareness of God. And so he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So last week we shared on our Father in heaven and saw three things. Number one, the word our. It's not my Father. Our speaks of the fact we belong to a family. That family is in heaven. Some have gone ahead of us. That family is in earth, and it's made a people right through our community, through our nation, the nations of the earth. You and I belong to a family. It's not just a secret private deal. Yes, we pray in private, and the relationship is personal, but you are connected to a family. It's called our family, and this is our father, and he is shared. We can call him our Father because we've received Christ as Savior. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus was the Son of God. Now what love the Father has given us that we can be called his children. So our Father, uh, the first part speaks of community. The second part, Father, the word Father is a term. It's uh, described in two ways. One, it means to be very intimate. So they use the word Abba, Daddy. And uh, that means an intimate uh, relationship. So when you're praying, it's not just mouthing words. I am speaking to a person, and I can call him Father. And in that word Father is love and care, intimacy, closeness, someone who is interested in your welfare. A real father is watching over your welfare, concerned that you succeed in life. No father wants his children to fail in life. No father wants his children to be poor. No father wants his children to be in pain and suffering. Fathers, the heart of a father is the prosperity of their children. So one of the first aspects then we saw was God's loving tenderness. The second, and this is the word used here, is that we need to treat God with respect. And there is a tendency for us to totally dishonor God, which is the focus of this particular message today. So, with respect. And it says, our Father in heaven. Now, when we, I, I just keep it short. I want to share a couple of things on that. We have earthly fathers, but the heavenly Father, the Bible says He's in heaven. Now, Jesus added in, when you're speaking to God, you're speaking to God in heaven. So, He's different to your earthly Father. Your earthly Father is very limited. But our heavenly Father, and Jesus used the word, not just heaven, which is the way we normally say it. He said, our Father in the heavens. Use the plural word. And when the Bible's talking about heavens, it's referring to three different heavens. Number one, the atmosphere all around us. In other words, the air, the sky, literally the air you breathe is the first heaven. Then it refers to the vastness of all the, the, the sky, the galaxies, the stars, the universes, light years away, when you read about what they've discovered about these, you can see how vast the universe is. Go out and look one night, see all the stars. Wow, my Father is here in all of these. He is present everywhere. And then it refers also to the third heaven, where is the throne of God, where all the angels gather around His throne, where people go to be with Him who have died in faith. So our Father, who is in the realm of eternity, the realm of the Spirit. So when, we're, when Jesus is teaching us to pray that, He's wanting you to get your eyes off the natural world 
and become aware there's a real spirit world that influences people, circumstances, and life. We get caught up with the natural, but the Bible tells us we have an enemy in the spiritual world around us. It tells us the world is influenced by that. So in in getting into prayer, God is saying, I want you to get your eyes off what you see naturally, lift your eyes. You have a loving father. You're part of a very big family, some in heaven, someone on the earth, and your father is vast, enormous. He fills all of that, and yet he's very near. So when people think of God in heaven, they think, oh, it's a long way off. Well, light years, it's beyond the end of the universe, way out there. No, no, what, what God is wanting us to understand or Jesus wanting to teach is that God, first of all, inhabits the vastness. He's an immense, enormous God. And secondly, he's yet very near. He's in the very air you breathe. Close, but vast. See? It's the same thing as the word uh, father, Abba, Daddy, near, and yet Pater or Father, or someone with respect who carries authority. See, so that's the thrust of it. So the whole of the prayer is about raising our conscious awarenessness of the greatness of God and yet His love for you. Most people don't see it at all. So sometimes, one of the things that awoken me to my need for God was walking along the beaches in Waikanae and looking at the stars and think, and the ocean, and saying, oh, how vast God is. And then when he came near to me, I was overwhelmed that someone so vast could be so loving and close. And we need to see both aspects of God. So then Jesus breaks the prayer down, and you notice it all starts with God, it ends with God, and it's actually mostly concerned about God, not about us. There are six positions in there, six requests. The first three concern God, but it's not just totally about God, because as you'll see as we go through them, they involve us, because we're his representatives on the earth. So let's go down here and pick up this word, hallowed be your name. And uh, you've probably prayed the prayer enough times, hallowed be your name. What does it mean? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We just pray it, and once you've lost the sense of what it means, you don't experience the reality of it. So... Firstly, let's have a look then about the, the first focus of prayer is one of great honor and respect for who God is. We can sing choruses, we can clap, we can shout, we can dance, but ultimately we need to come near to worship someone who is amazingly big and vast and powerful. And before him, everything must bow. So he says, hallowed be your name. So when the Bible talks about your name, the name, it's referring to a number of things. The first thing, it's referring to identity. So it says, hallowed be your identity. So the Bible's talking about a name. It refers to the identity. It refers to the character of the person, who they are. So if I use the name Doug, Doug Bird, someone immediately will know that's who he is just over there. And if I use your name, then everyone knows exactly that's who you are. And they will have some thoughts associated with that name. So the moment the name is mentioned, something about that person comes to mind. So when you mention their name, the kind of identity they are, who they are as a person, their character comes to mind. So in the Bible, for example, Abraham in Genesis 17.5 was called, he was called Abraham, he was Abraham, the father of nations. His name carried meaning. In the Bible, names always carry meaning. Today, we name people carelessly. 
rather than thinking, what is the meaning of that name? What name are you calling this person by? So in the Bible, like Gideon was called Gideon, which means warrior. See? Jephthah, a, guy, a man born in poverty, born out of wedlock, born out of adultery, was called Jephthah, meaning the one who will break out of all this bad stuff. So Bible names are very, very important. Uh, and many times when God changes the name, it's because he's changing who you are, the kind of person you are. So Jacob, for example, in, in Genesis 32, 28, you're called Jacob, meaning the heel catcher. You're always trying to get one up on someone else. He said, now I'm going to call you something else. I'm going to call you Israel, prince, one who rules with God. Isn't that amazing, say? So he called, who are you? Israel. Jesus means savior. In, in Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6, Moses made this prayer. He said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Bible says that God responded and said, I will make my name known. And so he hid him in a rock. And then the Bible says, the Lord went by and proclaimed his name, his nature. He said, the Lord God, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious, compassionate, merciful, forgiving. Notice that when he proclaims his name, he says what he's like. So in the Bible, the name always refers to the identity of the person, who they are, what they're like. So if you're going to make a person's name or hallow their name, you are beginning to honor who they are, respecting who they are. We'll bring it down to a few simple things you can do. The second thing it means is reputation. Identity is who I am. No matter what you think or say, I am who I am. Nothing you say or do is going to change that. So there's nothing you can pray that will make God any different. So when it's saying, you pray, hallowed be your name, we're not going to make God any more holy. We're not going to make him a different person. It's not about that at all. It's about his reputation. Your reputation is how people speak about you. Your, your reputation is what you're known for. Well, that man's a crook. Well, that man's a drug addict. That man's, uh, he's involved in these things. He's dishonest. That man is a hard worker. So your reputation is how you're known. And in Proverbs it says a good name is more valuable than money, silver, and gold. So name is very important. So your reputation is how you are known by. Now here's the catch in this part of the prayer. How is God's name made known? How will it be hallowed in the earth? It has to be through people. Think about it. So think about it. So for example, in Acts 11.26, it said, the disciples, those who were followers of Jesus Christ, who changed their lifestyle to follow him and serve him, those are the ones they call Christians, meaning a Christ follower. So the name Christian has a different meaning in the Bible to what it means today. Christians is to label on people. But in the Bible, it meant you followed Christ, you took his name on you. When you get water baptized, you go down into the water saying, and what you're saying or you're testifying is, my old life living out of my old nature is gone. I am rising and I take on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we baptize people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been baptized or immersed to emerge and identify with Jesus Christ. So his reputation is built on how his followers represent him in the earth. 
read it again. God's reputation is based partly on how his followers represent him in the earth and also on the mighty works that he does. On the mighty works that he does. I'll give you an example of that in just a moment. So we carry the name of Christ. When, when Jesus uh, uh, confronted Paul, nobody, remember what he said? Paul was going and he was persecuting what? He was persecuting the church. He was throwing them into jail, killing them, murdering them, all that kind of thing. And Jesus confronted him and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? In other words, Jesus identified with his family, with his brothers. You take on my brothers, you're taking on me. Dishonor my brothers, you're dishonoring me. You can't separate the walk with God with his family. They go together. One is seen in the other. If you love God, love the brother who you can see. If you love the brother who you can see, you're learning how to love God. They go together. And so uh, God connects his family with his name. Why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. And it's me you're persecuting. When you persecute the people who took my name on, you're persecuting me. Now look at this. If you've called the name of Jesus on you, then how you live your life is either honoring Jesus, honoring the Father, or dishonoring them. Why do people turn off Christianity? One of the reasons what they see in the lives of believers. They don't see enough in them to say, I want to be like you. I want what you've got. See? And so when that happens, the name of God is not hallowed, it is dishonored. We tend to put being a Christian into coming into meetings and not into a lifestyle, but it's actually a lifestyle, representing God wherever we go. In, in Ezekiel 36, 23 to 27, think about this. God says, I will make my name great in all the earth. And this is how I'm going to, one of the ways I'm going to do it. And he says, I will take Israel, whom I've scattered into all the nations, and after 2,000 years, I will bring them back together as a nation. Nothing like this has ever been done before, nor ever will be done again. It's to demonstrate not that they're good people, but that I am God. My name will be made great when they see what I do in the nation of Israel. That's why Israel is the focus of all the because it's so identified with God. Not in the way they live, but God hasn't forgotten his covenant with Israel. So then basically he says, I'll do something you've never ever seen before. It's never been in any people group in history that they were invaded, scattered, dispersed to the earth, and they came back together and had their language and their culture and carried on as a nation. It has never happened in history. When a nation fails and disperses, it's over. You don't find any Moabites in the earth today. You don't find any Amalekites in the earth today. You don't find the Romans. You don't find the, the, many of these people from these nations that fell. But Israel was dispersed and God brought it back because why? Not because they're good, but because he wants you to know his name is great. He is a loving father. My loving kindness, I will not stop or withhold from you. Even though... They did terrible things 
Nevertheless, God did not stop being a loving father, and he's honored his name by bringing them together. And here's the thing. He's promised that all of Israel will be saved. And when all of Israel is saved, everyone will have to say, whoa, this God is something else. How could anyone do anything like that? Just think about it. How can God, how can people from all over the earth, different nations, suddenly feel at the same time to go back into a place which miraculously was put back together after there'd been no Israel, no language, no culture in existence for 2,000 years? It's supernatural. It's God because God is a great God. Okay, so hallowing his name. Let's have a look at what that may mean. So the word to hallow means literally to make holy, or, and of course that doesn't mean anything here. What does that mean? Holy. It's a hard word to use even because we can't relate it to anything. But if we use the opposite, if something's not holy, it means it's very common. You just, like, perhaps I use it this way. You've got your best china and you've got your everyday stuff. Your everyday stuff with the cracks and chips, that's common. The special stuff, that's holy. You bring it out at special times and you, no one touched. There's a kind of an attitude about it because that's special. See, now that's what holiness means or one aspect of holiness. It means it's not common or treated as though it's got low value, but it's actually treated as high value, high worth, special. Set aside for a special purpose. So the word holy is a lot to do, or similar to the word to sanctify, means to set aside for a special purpose of God. So to make holy is to separate something from being common and make it special or high value. So to make the name of God holy is to separate his name from common usage, and when it's referred to, it has high value. Very high value. God is holy. He's not going to get more holy because we prayed about it. So what we're praying is that the name of God will be treated with reverence and respect through the earth. That's what we're praying for. That your name, your reputation will become famous. We want you to be famous. Most people want to be famous themselves. That's a lot of the problem the church has. Everyone wants to be famous. Me, me, me. But the first part of the prayer is that God's name will be famous. The name of Jesus will be lifted high because Jesus is the express image of the Father. It's our prayer that the name of the Lord will be treated with respect. Now, you notice that the third commandment is this. It says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know that scripture there? So what does that mean? Oh, my God, what does that mean? Well, I've just used it in vain. Yet you hear that all the time. OMG. That's taking the name of the Lord in vain. What is it? The word in vain means to make worthless, empty, having no value, no honor, no respect, or it's, make it, it's like it's full of holes and it doesn't carry anything. So the way you speak of God, use his name, is either one of respect or one where you treat it as having no value. So when people commonly say, oh my God, oh God, you know, all those kind of things, they are treating the Lord's name with disrespect. So taking the Lord's name in vain is actually shown up in two ways. One is your language, and the other is your lifestyle. Your language and your lifestyle give away whether you honor 
and value and hallow the name of the Lord at all. So, number one, language. When people become familiar, notice when people become familiar, they become disrespectful. And when you become disrespectful, the relationship deteriorates. Now, God has a way of dealing with that. In the, in the Old Testament, it said, if you take the name of the Lord in vain, God will not hold you guiltless. He said, rather, they stone such a person to death. Well, we don't stone him to death. What happens is God withdraws his tangible presence, and you don't enjoy being in the presence of God. You pray, but you don't feel his presence because you've dishonored and disrespected him. We need to treat him with respect. So when people are believers, they, they either use the name of God, they'll say, you know, hear, you, everywhere you go in the world, you hear, oh my God, that kind of thing, or God, or, 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 or the name of Jesus used in a profane way. That means it's removed of all value. Okay? But Christians can use the name of the Lord in vain. God told me. Become adamant, God told me. And they're using it as a cover for not taking responsibility for the decision they made. Now, there are times the Lord speaks to us, and times he does give clear direction, and we can say the Lord has given me direction in that area, but many people take the name of the Lord in vain. They put it on what they do as though it's an excuse for them doing it. That's one way the Lord's name is taken in vain. Another way is the area of lifestyle. People watch how you live. They watch you closely, and they can see, they hear what you say, and they see what you live. And this is a real challenge for young people, because God calls us to be holy like he is holy, to represent him, and yet holiness, you know, they say, oh, well, it proved you. Well, holiness, well, what's that, you know? And you should be doing what we're doing. What's wrong with you? You judgmental or something? You know, people label, they accuse if you live a different standard. But listen, you cannot influence the world if you're going to live like it. We must live to a higher standard. So if you want to walk with the world, just do what it does, the way it does is, talk the way it does, use its language, use its lifestyle. But if you want your life to count, then there must be something inside you. And that something inside you is a higher standard that comes from engaging an amazing, powerful God. When you make his name holy and reverence him, it changes how you live your, live your life. Notice it says in, uh, so for example, in, Titus, in, in Romans 2.24, it says, the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the way you people carry on. Now, Jesus is talking to religious people saying, you're so legalistic and judgmental and critical and you have no, there's a lack of love in your life. He said, you know what? People hate God and blaspheme him because of you. So, the, so notice there's a close connection between God's name being made holy and revered and respected and the way we live our life as believers and representatives of him. Very close. I'll give you a couple more. There's specific instructions. Uh, one of them's found, for example, in Titus. In Titus, uh, and in uh, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Young woman, this is how you should live your life. And it gives a whole list of instructions. And here's why to live this way, because we don't want the name of God to be blasphemed. In other words, they look at your life and say, what a heck of a woman. You know, man, she's a Christian. Oh, wow. Forget the Christian stuff. That's the name of the Lord taken in vain. Taken on yourself, and now you misrepresent him. Oh, my, once you start to get in here, here's another one, Timothy 6, 1. Servants, servants, that's speaking then of people who are slaves in the household. Treat your masters with respect and serve them as if you were serving God. Otherwise, the name of God will be blasphemed. So in other words, people look at your lifestyle and say, are you living a different kind of life? 
Are you bringing honor to God by the way you live? Jesus made it his purpose to honor the Father. And so if we want to honor the Father, you honor the Father in the way you speak. You honor the Father in your lifestyle by being loyal to him. So let me just close up with a few thoughts on this. Jesus' first priority was to honor the Father. He said, I do nothing except I see the Father doing it. In in, in John chapter 17, he says, I have manifested your name. I have revealed to my followers what you are like and brought honor to your name with my life. And the Bible tells us God has exalted Jesus. If you live a life that honors God, God will honor you. If you live a life that honors God, God will honor you. So if people honor you, it's usually for five minutes. They say, man, what a great guy, man, awesome. And it's over. If God honors you, it's much longer lasting. Seek the honor that comes from God, not the honor that comes from people. People can say what they think. What really counts is what God says. So the Bible tells us then, follow peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with men. Notice it's all connected to the way you live your life. Follow, in other words, pursue Good relationships. Try and stay at peace with people. Don't be conflicting and arguing and contending and live a clean life. Live a holy life. Live a life that's different. Your language, the way you talk, the attitudes, the jokes you tell, the honesty, all of those things, live those things. That's how, otherwise, we can't see God. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to go see Him one day. It means if you want to have your eyes open to the realm of the Spirit and live being able to see what God is doing, don't put junk into your life that's going to stop your seeing and turn you blind. Are you all so quiet on this? So how can we do it? Let me just give you simple things so you can finish up. This minute. Our Father in heaven. May your name be greatly honored. Honored in my life. Honored through the church that I'm a part of. Honored by the people that I serve. So several aspects of it. Come before God with honor and respect. That means, see, if I turn up on time, I'm honoring the person I turn up to. If I turn up prepared, I'm honoring that person. So if we come to worship time, whether it's personal or corporate, come with a reverential attitude, come with an attitude, God, you're amazing and I want to meet with you. It's because we just get used to church services and we disrespect God, we lose our experience with God, and then we start to just take it all for granted. So when you come, come with an attitude of how great God is, how wonderful he is, and get his word into your heart. Pray for the advancement of his reputation. Father, I pray that in this city, through Bay City and through my life, people will come to know you. They will know that you're gracious and loving and merciful, that you're a forgiving God, that the things I have experienced with you, that they will experience those things flowing out of my life. I pray, Lord, your name will be revealed. Lord, do mighty works that show the name of Jesus is very powerful. Because the Bible says, let your light shine before men, that they may see your works and do what? And glorify your Father. In other words, you're obviously identified. You're a believer. They can tell, man, this is God at work here. 
Pray your life be filled with the presence of God. Pray for Him to help you with holiness. Holiness is a struggle. It's not a struggle to be better. It's a struggle against the pressures that come to you. Just go with the crowd. You can't walk today without being exposed to all kinds of unclean things and language, all kinds of things. And they affect you and they sap you away. And in the end, you come to tolerate it. So coming into the presence of God, like we want to experience God. You're a holy God. Now I exchange all my uncleanness for your holiness. I want to be like you. As we meditate on Him and worship Him and honor Him for who He is, we become like what we worship. Spend your time with TV, movies, media, junk stuff. You become like that. Your life becomes slowly unclean and defiled, and you're not aware of it, but the presence of God diminishes. But if we were to say, God, this is the one purpose I'm living for, ultimately. I want my life to honor you. So, Father, firstly, I come and I honor your name. You're amazing. You're powerful. You're a mighty God. You're gracious. You are kind. You are merciful. You're very compassionate. You are so loving. Your word declares, God, you are love. Lord, you're a loving God, and I honor you because you never stop loving me. You never change. So one aspect of hallowing the name of God is to just start to honor what he's like. Meditate on it and think about it. And then begin to pray those things will reflect and flow in your life. Now, Father, let my life bring honor to your name. I want to represent you in the earth as a son, a builder of your family. So, Lord, help me to live a powerful life, a very clean life. Help me to live aware of your presence. Lord, let your presence fill me. Today, Lord, as I'm exposed to the unclean things, and unclean jokes, and all kinds of compromise, all kinds of ungodliness, Lord, give me grace to resist it and overcome it. Father in heaven, May your name be hallowed, made holy through my life, through the church I'm a part of, through my family, through my pastor, leaders. Lord, may people in this city know you, to hear of the great things you are doing, healing and transforming lives. What an amazing God. How I honor you. I declare your name be holy and set apart. You see, I found even as I start to pray that way, I start to slip in and become very aware of his presence. Perhaps some of you today realize that you've taken the name of the Lord in vain many times, either by your language or your lifestyle so compromised you're so like the world you can't possibly change it you can't possibly influence it prayer connects you to holy and amazing God and gives you grace to live a life that's different perhaps today there's a need to repent God I haven't represented you well I haven't been loving I've actually been very angry and been selfish I've not represented you. 
Lord, I repent of that. And I ask that I become more aware of your love, your presence, so I can represent you better. I can feel his presence. Why don't we just stand and flow into that chorus. Holy are you, Father. Let's, as a church, finish this year. There's many things happen this year. In many ways, the world has changed for the worse. Terrible things we read of, and corruption everywhere in government and so on, but nothing's new. It was like that in Jesus' day. It's just a bit new for some of us. But in the midst of it, Jesus prayed this prayer. Father, may your name be made holy. And 12 men carrying the fire of God, the holiness of the Spirit of God, turned their world upside down. Imagine if we could do the same. Our Father in heaven, so close and so magnificent, we honor your name. We honor the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Give you the reverence and the glory. That's right. Just think what you're saying. Father, we make your name great. In this church, we lift up your name. Your name is like no other. Vast like the universe.